You're listening to KBFT's Anishinaabe Language and Culture Show with Karen Drift and George Strong. View more content at kbft.org. Brought to you by Boys Fort Tribal Community Radio and the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. You are listening to uh, the KBFT uh, station right here in Net Lake, Minnesota, broadcasting to you from the Net Lake School campus. And uh, we're glad you are here with us on this beautiful uh, summer day. Well, we're not there to summer yet, but we're close. I'm going to give you a quick update on the weather before we get into our Karen Drift Anishinaabe Moen show. And uh, let's see, currently it's uh, 7 degrees right here in Net Lake, and your forecast for today is calling for a high of 77 under partly cloudy skies, northerly winds 8 to 15 miles per hour. Uh, Tuesday night for tonight, mainly cloudy with lows around 52 and winds turning north at 10 to 15 or uh, 5 to 10 miles per hour, sorry. And then for tomorrow, uh, you're looking at partly cloudy skies with a high of 74 and your winds coming out of the northeast at 5 to 10 miles per hour. So pretty steady here over the next uh, couple days. And uh, like I said, uh, we're glad to have you aboard uh, joining us here for our culture, language, history, um, short stories, yeah, you, you name it, uh, as far as Asabi, uh, Kane, Zaga, Iganing, we got it. And if we don't, we will definitely find uh, more for you. So in the meantime, let me see, i got to get my my uh, flow running here. And there we are, we're at it. Yeah, once again, you're listening to the Karen Drift Anishinaabe Moen radio show right here on KBFT. Uh, how we do this is we use to start out our, our our show by our introductions, and I kind of fumble through mine. And I uh, just want you to know that Meshkubanese, uh, Indijinakaz, Redbird is what they call me, Megizi, Indundem, and that would be that the eagle is my clan, and Onanami, Zaga Igening, or Zagaigan, in Dunjiba is where I hail from. I come from over there in Lake Vermilion area of the reservation. Shkun. Uh, Shkunigan. yeah. That part of the res, the reservation, Shkunigan. Be like Chab and say Obade. Obade? Yeah. That's what he used to oh, say. Oh, Obade? <laughs> He'd point. He'd say, oh, I've seen him Obade. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, Bungi Yata. Uh, I know just a little bit. I don't want to, I'm trying to be humble here. Uh, yeah, and uh, is joining us today. Uh, and uh, here, let me get you turned up here. I had you, I think your turn. We might be having some audio trouble here, so we're going to come back to Nashkabinez while we figure this out. Anyhow, go ahead, Auntie. Bonjour, nous commençons déjà les cas. 
Sabikune zog iganing, sabikune zog igan in dun jiba, you could say it either way. Menogi shigat nungum, nice day outside. Begago gishate, it's almost hot out there. Nigi skuzi, na nandibay ganek jiba. I woke up at five o'clock this morning. I put my tobacco out and now that I can walk in my back yard. I'm glad to be alive today. Can can I go uh went to Gujiak Minawa Nishana Bayok Anishana I he Najisadun away. He dropped it. Najisadun away. Alright, let's try your microphone there. Oh, we got you. And I was going to say that um, um, I posted this morning. Gida bizinda, bizinda KBFT nundagi muchigan nungum. I put listen to KBFT radio today. That's what I posted. Yesterday I saw two, a big bear and her little cute cub out in the, out in the uh, woods they're in the woods but um yeah that little bit that little cub was cute he was really just tiny <laughs> but um what was I gonna say um oh I uh, went to the White Earth powwow uh Nimi think this past weekend and Alan Hardy was doing the invocation and it sounded really good he can he can talk pretty well I like his uh, the way he speaks. He speaks that old, old Indian, old yeah, that old dialect, that old mm-hmm. Nishinaabe, the way he sounds. And um, not all them, not every speaker sounds the same. No, going, they have their own dialects, their own way, their own way. But if you if you follow an elder, they will talk the way you you talk with the elder. Mm-hmm. How she, how he or she talks, that's how you will. You will learn their dialect. And say if you go to White Earth or something, 
like in Canada, I can hardly understand my friend when she talks. I have to listen really close, really close to her words, hang on to every word she says. And same thing with with me. She said she has to. She, they're the same thing, but just sounds sounds are different. Oh, Vijinago ginu ninushe ogi wabandana wawashke she's yesterday your aunt your aunt seen a little baby deer ogi wabama ogi wabama wawashke she's Vijinago yesterday. I never, I didn't see any babies yet. Uh, they're cute though. Mm-hmm. They are. Iwabama, uh, Mikizi. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, this morning, uh, on the way to work, it was really nice because I, I didn't see them for maybe a week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anywhere around. And uh, that one was just up out in the sun, kind of drying his feathers or her feathers. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was really nice to yeah, see them. Then that's your clan. Yeah, yep. So I must be in the right, the right. Uh, mm-hmm path today <laughs> I never see my my clan only in pictures mm. like a caribou yeah I made a mistake one time Carlene laughed at me this guy asked me what my clan was and I, I just told him I said it's a moose <laughs> <laughs> and I start did I say moose I said no it's a caribou <laughs> I said, there's no more. Well, I, I heard that you're going to be able to see them, I believe, or maybe it's elk, I'm not sure. But uh, Fond du Lac is bringing back um, uh, an animal that hasn't been in this area, mm-hmm. you know, since before contact. And so that might be a caribou, I'm not sure. Uh, Dale, I'll ask Dale during the break uh, which, which one, because we were like, Oh, they're bringing back, uh, you know, how are they going to do that within the reservation boundaries? But I guess it's in cooperation with the Minnesota DNR that, uh, you know, they're going to be uh, protected there and uh, for use or harvest or whatever it is for the tribal band members. So wow. that's pretty awesome that they're yeah. bringing, uh, you know, that's I hope a lot it's a caribou. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, uh, like... When Jess, your grandma Jessie was alive, she used to tell me and your grandpa that just when they were little, she said they used to see them uh, wild ponies. She said they would be across the lake. Really? She said they they would be eating the bark off a tree. Oh yeah. yeah. You could see their teeth marks where they oh, were eating yeah. some bark. Yeah. And that's the last time she heard of them is when she was a uh-huh. she was a little them they they bought us the, uh, when we had an immersion camp in uh, somewhere I can't remember where it was anyway Don Chosa was running the immersion camp and he got them people they had them ponies them them on that lake uh, horses they had four of them. 
and they bought them in a in a big uh, horse thing, mm-hmm. and uh, there was they bought only two, I think, yeah, and for the kids to you know pet and look and stuff. Yeah. But a day before, they they bought the horses. Don took a little mark bunch of kids, about seven kids, seven boys and girls to go and look at that farm where they were going to uh, bring them horses from. And uh, there was seven of them there. And the last one, that lady said, that last one won't come out. She said, and he don't have a name. He don't have a name yet. We didn't name him. But uh, anyway, uh, I don't know, someone called Mark, Little Mark. They said, Skugabu. That was, that's his, his name is, that means red horse standing, Gabu. Mm-hmm. And uh, Misko is red, Miskugabu, horse, a red horse standing. Anyway, that little, that horse wouldn't come out for the people to look at. And in that, when that lady heard somebody calling Mark Skugabu, and uh, she said, is that your Indian name? She said, and uh, Mark's little Mark said, yeah. And she said, could I name him Skugabu, that horse? And Mark said, "Yeah." Here she she called. She she called into that that horse. Kugabu, she said. Here that horse came walking out of that barn, mm-hmm. and he walked right up to where Mark was standing. They mm-hmm. were in a, in a fence, and and that horse was a red horse, like. The color almost red. Uh-huh. So that's you know that was really a strange. That's what the name he must have been waiting for. Because long long time ago they said that all Indian horses had Indian names. Yep. You know? I'm sure they did. Then Just like your your cars nowadays, some some people name their cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, then I was going to talk about that. You People give me things to talk about, just like these names. My grandma, her name was Rose Bear Grease, and uh, her dad was John Bear Grease. And I never knew this when I was just a little kid. I suppose I didn't really ask too, a lot of you know questions about her life until later I, when I was bigger. Anyway, she, she had... 20 to 24 dogs on a mush. And us kids had a name for every dog. My dog was Hound Dog, and Clara had a dog called Snowball. And uh, Gillig had a dog named Schnupplips. Yeah, I, and, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. And then there was another one called Warn a Bit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we Lizzie, all kinds of names for them. Anyway, this there there was two old old dogs. Our grandma told them they're old. She said they're they're getting ready to go maja. She said they're gonna go. So one day we couldn't 
we couldn't find that dog anywhere. We were calling for him, and he wouldn't answer. And then my grandma came out. She said, she told us an Indian, she said, he went away to die. She said, he left. He, she said, they go... When they when they're getting when they they know they're gonna die when they're when they're going into the woods she said they're gonna go look for a resting place and you know and and she said that's where they they go and hide and they just die there she said they find like a bunch of bushes and like kind of hid away and that's what that's what uh, she said the Indians did she said they uh, when your dog when your dog dies, she said, "Don't bury him." She said, "Just take him into the woods, far into the woods, cover him up with twigs and blank, uh, wrap him in a blanket, maybe, and put some tobacco down and just cover him with branches and whatever, and just leave him." She said, and that's what my son does. He lost some dogs when lives. He's living in White Earth. He said they went way out into a back road, and that's where they... Because I heard somebody, somebody's dog passed, and they took him to a vet, and it was going to cost thousands of dollars just to... They put him down, and if they, you know, that way, you know, nobody has, like, $4,000 to, to, you know... Yeah. That's what... Uh, our grandma used to tell us about burying a dog or how how uh, dogs were on the mushug. Yeah. And when they used to use uh, dogs for Medewi, as soon as they were born, they'd, they were weaned off their mother. They would keep them in a, in a fenced-in, and it had to be black. A black dog. They had to. Uh, it couldn't be any other color dog. Only a black dog. And then they quit doing that long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, what else you got for people that want information? I know you said that they they wrote to you as far as questions went be kind of interested to hear what they have to Can say. And uh, if you're out on our Facebook uh, right now, our Facebook feed, you can definitely interact with us. Um, you know, if you want to send your questions, something hit you, uh, uh, maybe that you remember or, you know, you want to contribute in some way, you can definitely uh, get on our Facebook uh, live and uh, interact with us. We're um, streaming right now. And then, if you uh, are so inclined, you can also get a hold of us here at the studio, and you can do that by dialing uh, 218-248-0167. And uh, some of you out there have um, um, Auntie Karen's uh, um, contact information, her Facebook. Yeah, she's uh, open to you guys adding her. And asking her questions on Facebook, and also if you want to give her a call or text message her. Um, what was your number again, Auntie? Two one eight seven five zero seven two six eight. I'm gonna have Perry read this. What was sent to me? 
it's about uh, the movement. Did you re- read it on Facebook? Here. Oh, yeah. Gidaginda, so read that. That's from Keith Sokolo, I think. After hundreds of years of isolation, here's how the indigenous heroes are fighting to reclaim their cultural identity and their health. The movement. Cooking of traditional Native American food for feast on the Boys Fort Reservation in Minnesota. It's fair to say Boys Fort is secluded in the 1800s. Native American communities were isolated through a series of policies enacted by the U.S. government. Everything from commerce to food supplies were cut off. In its place, the government pushed prepackaged commodities. This is what Chef Sherman calls oppression food, food that literally sickens the the, uh, the, the body. Centuries later, for anything that, that's not junk, you'd need to travel 34 miles to get to the closest market. Sean wants to fix this by bringing indigenous cuisine back to its people, making sure that Native American food histories and food items themselves are present for Native American people. That's important to you. Why? You know, I grew up on Pine Ridge Reservation, and I started cooking at a real young age, Sean said. And I got to a point where I had this vision of wanting to do Native American food because it was the food of my ancestors and my heritage. And, you know, the oppression foods that people got put on. So once they moved to the Americas, they were forced to become dependent on the government for lots of canned foods and packaged foods. And I grew up with that stuff, and I didn't think much of it. I didn't like a lot of it. I thought all cheese tasted like the big block cheeses. I couldn't eat salmon because I thought all salmon tasted like canned government salmon. We used to get it as kids. It's just bad food. So yeah, it seems like there's a, there is, there's a big movement for, um, for food sovereignty and, um, bringing back natural Native American healthy food, you know, like. There's some more stuff on there. Oh, there's a. It says, Sean is not alone in the mission. Rebecca Yoshino from, from Tribal Gardens is helping. Native Americans have the highest rate of diabetes of any racial group in the U.S. Since commoditized food, Native Americans have been plunged into a diet that can be poisoned depending on what you're putting into your body. I mean, there are so many health-related illnesses that could be remedied with healthy foods. Clean foods, indigenous foods that are not just available. So it's very, very serious. What can one find on this property? The laundry list of everything here. Well, we have elderberries, juneberries, wild plums, hazelnuts, choke cherries. Some of these foods that were historically wild here. I mean, you can still find them in the wild in Minnesota, River Valley, and there are culturally significant foods as well. A lot of communities here within this country were growing crops, like sunflowers, corn, squash, beans, tomatoes, sweet potatoes. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And when communities were displaced from their lands, commodity foods were brought in. 
that were incredibly unhealthy and started making people really sick. You know, food and access to food was de definitely used as a weapon to help subjugate. When you say commodity foods, processed foods, yeah, like white flour, butter, lots of highly processed foods. I mean, fry bread, that is not a traditional fruit food. What is fry bread? Because I hear it's a staple. It is absolutely, and a lot of people do think it as a post-colonized food. Yes, as more a traditional, traditional food, but it's literally white flour and water, and it's a dough that's deep fried that tastes really good but it is really unhealthy yeah I saw an anti-fribrid movement that started uh, two years ago I believe it was yeah, they're uh, going on about how unhealthy it is and I mean yeah you know like during nowadays right like present day I can see it being an unhealthy choice because we have so much other food available, you know. But uh, I don't want to say traditionally because, yeah, it never was a, a traditional food item. <laughs> well, I watched my cousin get into, a, like, a small debate. Not an argument, but a small debate with a, another person from Michigan. And, um, yeah, he, he had wrote a post about fry bread and said something. You know, he called it oppression food, and then some person took right, took offense yeah. to that and said, what, what, what do you mean? And he explained it to him, like, that was the making of fry bread. If you really go back to in history, the first pieces that were made were, like, buggy flour. The flour had bugs in it. Yep. It was the, the, the lard, the butter was just way over past its date. Mm -hmm. A lot of that food was really... Horrible. Yeah, and they uh, created, you know, and everything had bugs in there. You've got to, you had to watch your uh, white rice. It had bugs in there and little, you know, yeah, little black bugs. On. Yeah, I think uh, what Nostribanese was referring to was uh, back when they did the the uh, foodstuffs. You know, like in our trees, uh, there were part part of the trees. They said that they would provide food. Rations of Rations, food. yeah. And uh, even, you know, what, what that dates back to the mid-1800s yep. all the way to the second half into the 1900s. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's not like you're given free food. I mean, they gave us the most rancid meats. Almost like they gave us, like, their, their leftovers or what they weren't going to. Whatever spoiled, basically. Yep. And it's a hard truth to hear, and, but that was just really what happened. Mm-hmm. So we're, uh, we're just, you know, going on uh, different topics here as we're rolling along. I think what we'll do is uh, uh, Nashki Benes has got some some information that he wants to uh, share with us today. Uh, Nashki Benes uh, works over at the Boys Fort Heritage Center and uh, is our language and cultural um, coordinator, you know, for the reservation. So, um, is there any particular topic that you needed to uh, highlight or uh, let us know about? Let listeners know about. Yeah. So, what's going on now is uh, I'm in the process. Jalen and I are in the process of uh, we're going to try have like a hold a immersion camp sometime in summertime. Mm -hmm. Give us like a month or two to get ready, and I kind of want to plan on August 
right before the kids go back to school? You know what? You should ask uh, Don Joseph for information. He ran it. He ran a, a immersion camp here, like for five times, four or five times, in like a, what do you call someone you can ask questions to and maybe give them some gun or something. Just you know, because we gotta ask our elders who've done this before, just just to get ideas. You know, you don't have to do whatever. Just you know, just plain ideas. You know. Mhm. But I definitely got time. I still got eight nine weeks to plan it. Mm-hmm. Um, I already have the list of people that I want to come aboard and help, come up and mm-hmm. possibly help, and maybe two 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 day camp. And then um, another thing is too is the Ojibwe, the Anishinaabe Moin signage project that I, that's basically done. I um, I got my book bids and my quotes, so pretty soon, like a lot of the buildings here will be labeled in the language like um, bathrooms, accounting, um, human resources. There's words for all those those uh, places, yeah. and um, I tracked them down and I found them and. So that project's done. I'm just waiting on um, the process to submit for the to pay for the project. Mm-hmm. So I'm pretty excited about that because um, every other tribe has um, their tribal government offices, their their health offices, their um, their elder centers. They're all labeled in the language. Yeah. Most tribes like White Earth, Red Lake, Leech Lake, yeah. Fond du Lac. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Grand Portage too even has some signage. Yeah. Do. So, um, just looking to get us caught back up on that part, mm-hmm. and then um, the more you see the language, you know, to see it written out, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it helps some people, not not everyone. Yeah. But you know, so the, I'm hoping to get that done too by next uh, month or two. Then, then another thing we did when we had our immersion camp, we we had lesson plans. What we did day by day with the kids, you know, like get up so. Got them up early to have breakfast. Clean everybody pitched in to clean up. Then we had a we had a person, two people cooking that went through the went through a cooking cooking school. They knew what what you know. And we had like a, it was summer, so we picked berries and we'd have like blueberry pancakes and you know just just nutrition like. And then, uh, yeah, we had craft uh, time. We made moccasins. That one year, him and him and his brother Joey actually uh, uh, constructed an actual uh, wagagagan yeah. or a wigwam. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that was pretty cool. I remember that. Yeah, you were we had help in there. You were helpful in there making them. Everybody, all the kids had. Had a hand in making that big long wagonagon. Mm-hmm. I remember Sharissa and Haley; they were making that, you know, and Margie. I remember uh, seeing over in Tower, right over there. Remember where Marvin Knott used to live, right there mm-hmm. by the uh, softball field that that's there now. Mm-hmm. They were they they had like a little camp there. I don't know if it was a ceremonial camp or what. But I know some of the people that were there were uh, from Canada, and I know Vern Adams was mm-hmm. was involved in that. So probably Clint, maybe um, mm-hmm. uh, Billy. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So, but they were they set up uh, the Waganagans 
and uh, of course everything was constructed the way that you know the way that they were traditionally made and so it'd be really interesting well it's one of our dreams anyway and uh, I missed my conversation with or our opportunity to converse with uh, Squidge because Squidge has been doing a lot of this stuff nowadays yeah. you know cultural stuff yeah. as it relates to like the outdoors sports mm-hmm. and uh, so forth so there's a lot that could be done, uh, Nashki Benes. Um, there is, there is so much activity that's going around. There's quite a bit of resources, like you said. We should, uh, first line of, uh, contributors or consultants should be our own elders, of course, you know, and you guys are pretty involved with that. I know I attended a meeting with Jay, uh, over in Vermilion and he was getting some, some information, of, you know, from the elders that were over there. And, uh, it was really good stuff. I learned mm-hmm. quite a bit, you know, just just uh, mm-hmm. a discussion like we're sitting here right now over this, this table here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, definitely do, do more of that stuff and uh, keep it all uh, as, as close to home as possible, mm-hmm. you know. So if we can get... Uh, it makes a real loud noise. <laughs> uh, but anyhow, uh, yeah, so if we can do that, and we'll definitely help you help you plan. I mean, you know, Chaz used to put together uh, weekends like that, too. So he had, like, you know, whether it was winter, summer, fall, um, springtime. Uh, so we can we can do that and then come up with some themes that, that you want to cover. And uh, we can certainly be a, a partner, you know, so we could bring in certain people if we want some speakers to come in. Uh, or one person I'm thinking about is uh, our friend from um, Lac de Flambeau, uh, in the one that helped us build the canoe. Yeah, so we could definitely bring him back over. His uh, Wayne, Wayne, I think his name is. Uh, Valerie. Valerie, yeah. And uh, so we'll we'll try to get a hold of him. I know he's, like, really busy now. He's got these pro- big big projects that he's working on. And one of the things that he wanted to do was to build a uh, uh, uh settlement camp. And uh, I remember we were kind of teasing Chaz when he was here. We were like, Chaz, do you want to stay in that? Uh, walking to all winter long, and he, Chaz was game for it. He's like, Yeah, I'll stay in it, you know. So that'd be kind of interesting, you know. It'd be a good project, and I don't know, maybe maybe Chaz is available. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's good. You are all getting together, and like, I'm glad Perry's working up here to, I mean, just to just to exchange things, and you know, and then uh. Squidge is up here, you know, yep. working with you, just, you know, exchanging things. And there should be more people up here that that, that are interested in the Well, just coordinating, culture, you know, yeah. working together. Mm-hmm. And giving each other ideas and, you know. Yeah, and resources, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I really appreciate Peyton and what she does, too, yeah. because she brings in a lot of uh, people that I kind of know, but I don't, I've never worked with them. And so it, it's great to have that kind of knowledge being brought in. You know, like they went on a, a plant walk, I think it was a week and a half ago. And uh, I'd like to do the same thing, you know, because uh, you're not 
you're not able to walk right through, you know, the forest floor at this point. Yeah, yeah so it's good that we have some younger people that are stepping up mm-hmm. and uh, definitely something that we want to do. I think what, see, I never have time. I got to get down to Virginia for an eye appointment today. And I, <laughs> I, I've been trying to get out to West Boundary to show the, you know, these uh, new guys here, Orlando and um, uh, Dale. Some of the the things that they'll see out on the West Boundary area, you know, and mainly moose, you know. At least I've always known that area to to a good place to find moose out that way. So, and I've been trying to get out down Farmer John's and even fish to try and go fishing. Uh, and I think I know Frankie Villebrun invited me out. Dale has invited me out for some big giant crappies and panfish, so I definitely want to get up to that lake that he was talking about. But where you showed us the strawberries mm-hmm. heading towards Farmer John's there, yeah, that that is a real beautiful area, and I just want to go back there and be yes, there. That's where that heart medicine is to Farmer John's Road, yep. right alongside the road. So I wouldn't have no problem getting there. Because mm-hmm. every year I get there when I pick medicine with Carlene and Don. But there's, you know. I know what we'll have to do. We'll have to get you a motorized uh, chair and four-wheel yeah. drive it, get you back there. Yeah. <laughs> there was something else. Oh, uh, Carlene posted some stuffs there at uh, Turtle Eye. No. Madeline, what is that? Madeline Island? Yeah. She posted some really interesting stuff on there uh, that uh, she said uh, that that was named after a lady, Madeline, Madeline, mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Madeline, or whatever. Yeah. And, but it's on the, it's on the, uh, it's on Facebook this morning. And, uh, there's pictures on there, and there's uh, there's a bunch of I guess there's hardly any Indians there. This they had an Indian uh, tour guide that took them all over, and he she said he just like a uh, like likes to joke and Indian and all that, and uh, she said he's. Uh, Really a, a nice uh, man, and uh, but it's on Facebook here, and it tells a lot. Uh, there's even a, a there's they have a bunch of writings in Anishinaabe about this lake. It said, "Gago Bugizokan, don't swim here. You can't swim." And um, if I could find it, I could I. I could re- I read that. I know they had a <clears throat> a story on the news um, about some of the shoreline, like even down Superior. They said that it's uh, uh, I don't know if it's bacteria or algae or whatever it was, but it's probably a similar thing like that because the whole coastline of uh, the Great Lakes is uh, is impacted by that. Certain mm-hmm. sites, not every site, but yeah, at times they'll close down. Um, certain sections, you know, where people like to swim. swim yeah. Yep. 
but that whole sign is in the lane, or in it, you know, that's the same language we have here. I don't know how they speak it, but I, I could tell, I, I read the whole thing, mm-hmm. what it said, and that's what it said there. Was it like a, 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 a big, post? A big, big, a big post like oh, okay. that. Alright. And that's what I was, uh, then I got to thinking, about after I seen that post, you know, that's what they should do around here, like, uh, historical landmarks. Place, landmarks, like, Big point yep, and would be this is where the people first landed when they come to yeah. on in like the island. They could have a story about the island. Yep. Strongville was the last people to really do their the way the Indians did years ago. Mm-hmm. That's how they lived. Yep. And you know. Like you know, but that would be yeah. kind of a, a great um, yeah. uh, museum or history. Uh, not history. What was it? Uh, Heritage <laughs> Center <laughs> project, and uh, we would definitely help out too. You yeah, know, getting into something like that, the funding to do some of these placards. Mm-hmm. You know, the plaques, so they'd just be sitting there, and you'd have a uh, a map of like, let's say, the whole lake, and you just kind of. Uh, put place names on there and then in, in the language yeah. and then wherever it is. Remember I was telling you about that app I wanted to do with the phone? Yeah. Yeah. yeah sort of like that. Like but kind of like... Um, but more physical, you know what I mean, where you actually read something on there and it's more like a touristy kind of a thing, you know? You could even put like codes on those uh, those plaques too, like if you have your phone. Oh, yeah. That can just read that, that QR code or that yep. code and it'll just pop up like the, the backstory or the history. That'd be really good. It. Like, you know, Girls Landing now, they call it Girls Landing. But before before they called it Girls Landing, they used to call it Porter's Landing. Porter's Landing? Mm-hmm. And then all the way around up toward Gizik's Landing, then they'd had uh, Wemtegushi's Landing. I don't know if anybody, like the game wardens or the duck hunters, now, if they ever went down there to look, they still have a foundation out there that uh, went to Gushi's Landing. It's almost close to the Mount of Lost River. It, you know, and, and that's where uh, a white, white guys snuck in and built a house there, and they snuck in and went duck hunting when there was a lot of Zishi out there. Probably went uh, probably went night racing out there too. They probably did, yeah, until they, somebody, they found out they, they must, you know, I suppose nobody even thought to look out. It was kind of way back from the shore, but mm-hmm. we went out there as kids when we were kids and we went, we used to go all over around the lake shores you, me, and your dad, and Sarah, and all of us, Roger, Norm, Lou, Squeak, Kenny, Gail. We used to all go walking around the shores, and that's when we come across uh, Wemtegushi's Landing. Mm-hmm. Wemtegushi is a white man. Yeah. White man's landing, that's what they call it. So I would, is that right around where they call it now, Spencer's Point? Yeah, probably right close by the the mouth of the mm. Lost River. Okay. What's, what's the background? Um, 
I've heard stories like that before as a kid. Uh, people night racing, and then you told me as a child that you're not supposed to race at night yeah, because only. that's when the spirits... The spirits are racing at night. And uh, just, I mean, it, I was taught this uh, through, I believe it was my mom that told me about why they do them ceremonies. You know, like some of the midday ceremonies are done through the night, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. or early in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the reason for that, like you said, the nighttime is a special time, you know, when there's certain things that are that are, uh, are right to do. You know, like early in the morning, just before the sun comes up and you can kind of see the stars, that's the most powerful time mm-hmm. for the spirits. You know, that's that's when they're, they're like right here, closest to us. Yeah, and that's why we probably have dreams. I have my dreams early in the morning, mm-hmm. my spirit dreams, spiritual dreams. You ever hear a, a, an explanation about uh, Naba and how it, it kind of... I guess in a spiritual way, uh, the word for sleep I'm talking about, um, what, what are the variations? Uh, Naba, uh, well, there's Naboski. No. Yeah. <laughs> Old Naboski sitting out there. <laughs> but, um, like, if you say, if you're telling somebody to go to bed. Well, I used to say, the Ganiban, please the sleep. Yeah. Okay. Ne. You sleep, or I sleep. Can you mm-hmm. say we need Nibon too? Just Nibon is sleep. Mm-hmm. But I don't know why I put Ne on there. Oh, okay. That means I sleep. Yeah. Ginibon, yeah, you sleep. What I was getting to was there was an explanation. i got to find that file. I, I, I don't know if it was a TikTok or more than likely a TikTok, but there was a woman that was explaining about Nibon and kind of like her... Well, I'm sure she learned it from an elder, too, but what she was making reference to was that that's the time that you're, when you're sleeping, that's the time that your spirit is traveling. And so it travels all around, and it, um, how did she say that? That it, uh, that is, that, that your spirit is free, you know, kind of from your body, and that you're able to, to go to these different places. Yeah. Now that I think about it, Neba, Jalen's name is Ba Bay Mashian, and he explained to me. He said the Ba the Ba Bay is like describing something like mm-hmm. going around. Yep. Yeah. That's the like the etymology behind the mm-hmm. behind the that breakdown of Ba. Mm-hmm. That is that's like, wow. Like Squeaks, his name is. Uh, Thanks for that, Scobinese. Squeak's name is Jibobinus, uh, mm-hmm. and that means a bird that's flying around Jibob. Yeah. So that must be going. Going around. Yeah. Jibob, yep. and then you see Binus. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're talking about that, when you're, you're sleeping, you have, like, this This was a story from Uncle Albert mm-hmm. Strong when he was when he was uh, wounded in a in a foxhole in Germany or wherever he was and he said he kept going around he was flying around in his he must have been almost going to die or something and 
He said he was flying around the lake. And he said when he was flying around the lake, he seen somebody sitting on a big lily pad. And it was a man, half frog and half human. The top was human and the bottom was a frog. And he said he's just seen that. So he said he thought he'd go around again and see who it was. Here he went way down there to see who's who that man was, and he said it was a uh, it was no man named Bill the Prairie. That was my you know older. He was an older man than no, but he was still alive up in that lake here, and uh, so that's what. You know, while he was in almost dying, he was going around. His his soul was going all over the place, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what they say. The minute you die, your soul leaves your body, and that's why you get messages. Like that night, a uh, bitty guy died, and me and Lester were red, getting ready for bed, and our, it was just calm, no wind, nothing. And our bedroom door opened, just slammed, just right against the other side of the wall. Mm. And just me and him lived there then. All our kids were grown up. But then that's what he said. That was my nephew. He said, coming to, coming to see us. Mm-hmm. We couldn't see him, but he probably could see us. Yep. Well, people wonder why we, uh, when a member of our community passes, why we cancel events, we postpone them or reschedule them. It's for not just out of respect for the family, but that traditional belief that that person's spirit or soul is traveling around and visiting their loved ones, their friends. Mm-hmm. So to cancel an event, to, to not take away from that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, that you know, that's the part that I remember you explaining that mm-hmm. when I was younger. Yeah. Why? I like that they do that. And, uh, you know, going into the future, because I, I'm starting to notice now, I guess it's being as, as old as I'm getting, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that you kind of notice, you know, things that we were taught kind of get lost mm-hmm. as to why we did things the way that we did or that were done before. Mm-hmm. And so... I can kind of see something like that, and I'm always thinking about it, and I'm glad that we have, you know, um, Auntie here to, to share some of the the teachings, you know, because there's a lot more to it than just, you know, some of the stuff that we're, we're sharing with you. Um, you know, the way we do things, I mean, we don't just do them to do them. We were, we were taught these things, you know, and there's a reason why, you know, we do these things. And... Uh, I guess if I was like really a um, uh, an outsider or somebody that didn't know mm-hmm. or appreciate these teachings and at least have respect for them, that you you know the people would know, like you said, for people on the outside yep. looking um, in, on, yeah. looking in, yeah. And that's what's great about this program and about KBFT and it's kind of the mission is just to kind of explain a lot of this, you know. Like uh, when we do this stuff, when we take that time, when we lose a loved one as a community, it's it's that's what it's for. It's for them to, you know, um, be able to be tuned in to that 
you know, that part of our our uh, spirituality. Yeah, I love the way we do it too. We, we we don't act as like the culture police or anything like that. We just talk lightly on the on the yeah. subject and yep. you know give our you grandma know, Karen can give her thought. And, one of the kids in uh, elementary asked me, "How how do you know all your things, all your stuff?" And I said, "Well, I was taught by my my family. I said my grandma, my grandpa, my aunts, my uncles, and they were taught by their." Their grandma, grandpa, their uncles, aunts. I said it went back on and on. I said, and that's how I learned all these stuff just by listening to what my grandma knew from long ago. I said, and she'd tell us things, what not to do, you know, we couldn't steal or told us not to fight and all that, and, you know, not. Uh, just to be respectful to our elders and, you know, just everything. She told us a lot of, a uh, lot of values, you know, and our grandpa too, Grandpa George, he used to correct the boys and us girls and, you know, if, uh, he's seen us doing something, he would sit, sit us down and talk with us. And that, oh, I just loved my grandpa George. He was, and everybody just all the kids, all these grandkids. Then they both of my grandma and grandpa. They they were they would know how. I was while I was reading this this thing. I I found I found this this saying and uh, I was looking for a, a birthday gift for my daughter coming up. It says, Grandma, thou is the root of our family tree in Nukomis Ogi how do you say root Jibik Jibik is a root in our family tree it would be a, you know if you said this in Indian Nukomis Ogi Ogi Jibik then you you look for how you say family, and then you look for mitig. Is there a word for? I can't remember the word for family. I know jibik is a root, some kind of a medicine root, or yeah. How do you say bear root? Is that? Makwa. Uh, I think that's Makwajibik. Because then I heard seen somebody said the word for Makwa uh, Mede is uh, bear grease. Yeah. Bear. Mm -hmm. Which that has a lot of uh, healing factors too for some people, right? Yeah, it does. You know, my cousin was even telling me if you're going bald, put bear grease on your hair, and your, where you're going bald and you'll grow hair. So yeah, I hear I hear somebody around the village here that's doing that, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, I can I can see they're not that old. They're probably in their early forties, mm -hmm. but they're probably noticing some of the thinning and that, you know. And uh, I know I, I I've noticed myself doing that too. But I know uh, my grandpa, my uh, J S was uh, 
Well, even my uh, Louis was, you know, kind of balding a little mm-hmm. bit, right? Yeah, yeah. So, but I know that gene is carried by by a woman, or the wom- the the females, you know, the mm-hmm. the thing for genetic uh, baldness or whatever it is. So, um, but yeah, Rook, I didn't know that. I didn't know it was Ojibik. I did. I had no clue. Yeah. So Miigwech. So Root. And what was the other one? Uh, family. Yeah, how I can't remember how you say family. Then you just add metig tree, a family tree. Yeah. I suppose it's like relatives, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that would be all because all your relatives are your whole family. Yep. Dinawaymalganak metig. Mm-hmm. She's a root of... Grandma now is the root of our, of our family tree. And the, I asked that lady, she had dream catchers made in this, and she only had one, and she said she was going to order some more. So I was going to get one for my all my granddaughters. Well, I, only, I mean my, my uh, daughter-in-laws and my daughter. The ones that are grandmas, well, there is a grandma too, but... Visit kbft.org for Section 2 or your local podcast directory.